0: welcome to gruesome your horrific true crime podcast i am connie and my galentine for life meg is going to tell us about the claremont serial killer i like that parks and rec invented a holiday mm-hmm. i'm actually okay. going to a galentine party tomorrow
1: <laughs> what, what are you doing is it like a like a flower thing or like a drink thing it's got uh, it's one or the other it's A drink thing but we're doing it is like
0: a favorite things party as well so i think there's like 10 or 11 people going and it's like instead of bringing your favorite thing for everyone because you know bitches are on budgets these days um we're doing like our favorite gift and then we're bringing three of that gift and then we're like doing it kind of like white elephant style and games and stuff to get cute so you go home with three three of someone else's favorite things Aww. It was hard That's to adorable. pick. I was like, I like a lot of shit.
1: <laughs> I like all
0: the things. You do like stuff. I do like stuff. But I settled on, um, what did I get? I got the snail mucin because it's my fave. I got the same thing I got you before, that a- AHA peeling solution from oh, the Oh, that ordinary
1: stuff. Yeah, that stuff's awesome.
0: And then I bought, um, like I don't have drunk elephant money, you know, So, but <laughs> I bought the air pump containers that you just put your own moisturizer in. So I bundled up those three things and I've got like three of each of those.
1: Uh those are all great gifts. I would be very excited to get any of them. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. I'll leave you with the the Leslie Nope quote. If there's a law against friendship, then lock me up. <laughs> I don't know Since if I that's feel about the, you. <laughs> if there's I don't know if that's in the Galantine's Day episode, but I love Leslie Nope. More of an so- April Ludgate myself, but <laughs> Let's get to it. All right. Yeah. Murder. Here we go. On August 3rd, 1996, a family was driving down a rural road searching for wildflowers when a rooster ran in front of their car. The vehicle stopped and the children got out and began to chase the animal and they were playing with it. Their mom was like, you know what? Go nuts, which is also my approach to parenting. Like, yeah, go ahead. Chase the rooster. And while they were doing that, their mom was like foraging for wildflowers. And I love that wholesome. It's very wholesome. Uh she's walking a trail near where they were playing and she was drawn to what she described as the largest death lily she had ever seen. And I didn't know what a death lily was, but it's a calla lily. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know what that is. I know. I was like, well, why do they why are they called death lilies? And, you know, Oh, do they get for- sent to funerals a lot? That is exactly why. Yes. Yeah. Then I guess they're just associated as like a symbol of death. But yeah. Calla lilies. So um, she's walking towards this lily. And in this case, death lily is appropriate because she came across the body of Jane Rimmer lying naked in a one man tent that had been concealed under tree branches. Mm-hmm. Hours later, police descended and began scouring the area for clues. The woman whose body had been found was Jane Rimmer, a 23-year-old daycare worker who had disappeared 55 days earlier while leaving the Claremont Continental Hotel in Claremont, Western Australia. CCTV footage showed her outside the hotel smiling alongside a dark-haired man. Witnesses had reported hearing a woman scream and shout, leave me alone, before seeing a car drive in the direction where Jane's body was inevitably found. Her confirmed death was significant because months earlier in January, another blonde 20-something had gone missing after a night out with friends. It solidified law enforcement's realization that Claremont might have a serial killer in their midst. Uh, Australia celebrates Australia Day on January 26th. I guess that's kind of a controversial holiday. Um, I don't know. Maybe some people aren't celebrating it talk amongst yourselves about it. But on that day in 1996, Sarah Spears also went out with her friends. Earlier in the evening, her sister Amanda, whom she shared an apartment with, picked Sarah and some friends up from the Ocean Beach Hotel in Cottleslow and dropped them off at Club Bayview in Claremont just after midnight. On January 27th, 1996, Sarah left the club and called a taxi at 2.06 a.m. from a telephone booth. Her intended destination was Mossman Park, which is like a suburb near there. She was not there when the taxi arrived to pick Sarah up at 2.09. So like within a couple of minutes, she had disappeared. Witnesses claimed to have seen her waiting by herself near the corner of Sterling Road and Sterling Highway. Sarah did not show up to work. She failed to attend any of the outings that she had planned with her friends and family in the days that followed, and she was never seen again after that night. Sarah disappeared in January, and Jane went missing in June of '96, but her body was found in August. In March of 1997, Kiera Glennon, a 27-year-old lawyer who had just returned to the area after traveling the world for a year prior was the next woman to disappear from the Claremont area. Kiera had gone out with friends. She went out with a bunch of people from work to the Continental Hotel. Around midnight, she told her workmates that she was going to head home for the night, and she began to walk home. Witnesses here recalled seeing Kiera walking, and they thought she was attempting to hitchhike. So there was a group of them that were like, you're crazy, don't hitchhike at night. And those same um, witnesses said that they saw her talk to the driver of a light-colored vehicle. They said that when they turned away and when they turned back, she... Oh my gosh, hold on. Sorry. What's he making? My headphones didn't mess up at all until we started. Isn't that always how it goes? Always. They just keep like disconnecting and then reconnecting. Also, Joel's getting ice, so... I know, I was like, what's he making? Okay. Okay. You said, I said, saw her talk talking to the driver of a light-colored vehicle, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'd repeat it,
0: though, because I could hear the microwave in the
1: background. Okay. Witnesses recalled seeing Kiero walking and believing that she was attempting to hitchhike, so they yelled at her. They're like, hey, you're crazy. What are you doing? And then those same witnesses stated that they saw her talk to the driver of a light-colored vehicle. They said they turned away to talk, and when they turned back, she was gone. Kira wasn't seen again until April 3rd, 1997, when her partially clothed body was discovered in a northern suburb of Perth. Due to the extreme decomposition of her body, a cause of death was unable to be established. And then, my friends, no one would know what happened to their girls until more than 20 years later. Uh. (laughs) Ah! I know. I hate that. It is... The longest investigation in Australia's history. Within days of the disappearance of Sarah, this case was taken over by the major crime squad. And I'm sorry I'm laughing when I say it, but like major crime squad sounds fake. It does. It sounds like <laughs> something from a movie. It sounds like if it's from like Brooklyn nine nine or like, like like they're like, okay, with the major did you call, the the major? call us <laughs> The major crime squad. That's us. I believe you, Australia. Whatever you say. Major crime squad. After Jane's disappearance, the Western Australia police set up a special task force called MACRO to investigate both Sarah and Jane's cases. But after the disappearance of Kiera, this was when police confirmed to the public. They're like, yep, we're kind of searching for a serial killer. And that prompted the Western Australian government to offer a $250,000 reward, which at the time was the largest award ever offered in the state. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So originally, the investigations focused on the vehicles seen at two of the locations and on the unidentified man seen in the video footage during Jane's disappearance. Then it shifted its suspect to a taxi driver because the women were all last seen leaving bars, which, you know, like... Yeah, you know, that, that makes that's sense. When, that's when people are ordering taxis. Um And there was a driver who claimed to have transported Sarah the night before her disappearance, and he became a suspect. His name's Stephen Ross. There was minimal evidence other than the fact that he was a cab driver working the nights that the women disappeared. He gave a DNA sample. He gave a formal interview. He claimed that the police were just, they kept coming for him and they were attempting to frame him just to close the case because they wanted to blame a taxi driver. And like, I I mean, we see that a lot, like the flaw in the justice system, right? They, uh, not they that they like want to blame. Vision. Yeah, exactly. Not that they want to specifically blame like taxi drivers, but investigators feel pressure from the public and the system. Like you have to find out who's responsible. There's a serial killer. So then they hyper-focus on who yeah. they think it is versus on who it could be. So yep. that's kind of what they started doing to this guy. Anyways, Stephen was disregarded primal, primarily after there was a huge fingerprinting and DNA test carried out on like thousands of taxi drivers that were licensed in Western Australia. And it kind of messed up like the taxi game for a while because they did all of this DNA testing and they did all of these fingerprints and they found a whole bunch of unlicensed operators. Oh, uh, nice. It made them, like, re-examine the standards for eligibility to be a cab driver, and there were, like, 78 drivers with significant criminal history, and they were de-licensed. And I'm saying, I said significant criminal history because, yes, like, criminals should be punished, right? But I don't think it's necessarily fair that we ban them from being able to do a job that might be bettering themselves, right?
0: Yeah, especially if it's, like, petty crimes,
1: Yeah, I mean, it says significant, so I'm sure it was not just, like, petty crimes. Yeah, Um, yeah. But they're probably not in ideal circumstances anyways. It's like like a meg hot take, I guess. Yeah. Uh, They also applied stricter standards to verify that decommissioned taxis were, like, stripped of all their insignia and equipment, which is also good. You don't want people buying taxis and then using them for whatever creepy purpose they might want to use them for. Another suspect was a 41-year-old man who uh, lived with his parents across from the Ocean Beach Hotel in Claremont. Uh, And they began to suspect him because one, he was just kind of weird. And then as part of the investigation, they had female officers just kind of like hang out and walk around in the areas that the women disappeared, which is a good tactic Nothing wrong with that. Very long Um, order of them. Yes. Very very Olivia Benson work. Um, but one night, one of these undercover officers was offered a ride by this man after she asked him where the nearest bus stop was. So she like flagged him down, was like, Hey, where's the nearest bus stop? And he offered her a ride. Which like that could have just been him being like, Hey, it's two in the morning. Do you want to ride home? But because he did this, the police—another tunnel vision situation—they started focusing on him. They were so concerned with finding who was responsible that they they didn't really have a reason to keep watching him. Yeah, on February fifth, nineteen ninety-eight, they arrested him, and he was interrogated for an entire day. But there was only circumstantial evidence. Uh, but the press kind of went crazy because they were like, well, they got him finally. And they started stalking this guy. Plus, the police were still watching him, even though they let him go after he was interviewed because they didn't have any evidence. The press are stalking him. The police are watching him, all because he offered a woman a ride home late at night. And there was a reporter who said, hey, did you kill all those women? And his response was, All I had was concern, you know, there's women walking around Claremont on their own late at night, especially with what's happening. And I kind of buy that. Like, I understand you have to assume no good intentions in circumstances where there's a serial killer, but I don't know. I just, I don't think it was nothing about, like, the way that they're trying to find suspects in this case seems fair. Yeah. It doesn't seem, it seems like they're just, like, grasping at straws, which they probably were.
0: You'll do. Yeah. Come on in there, buddy. You're a little weird and you
1: drive around late at night. You get in the it's car.
0: Gotta be you, man. Gotta be you.
1: And even, and honest, this one's kind of strange and maybe someone can point me in the right direction if you're from the area. But there were, the mayor was a suspect for a minute. His name was Peter Wagers um, and he was also president of the Civil Liberties Association of Western Australia. I read an interview with him and he was just absolutely outraged with the aspect of being a suspect but I couldn't really find out why he was a suspect. Other than that, he was the guy that like was kind of weird. He was defending that guy. He was like, no, he's not responsible. He didn't do that. And so they like turned it on him. They're like, maybe it's because you did. Exactly. Yes. And I kind of, um, he said it ruined his life. He said it gave him PTSD and People still like stalked him, and you gotta realize they didn't find anyone for 20 years, so this just followed yeah. him and followed him and followed him forever. So Macro, that task force that was on this, they got a lot of praise and a lot of criticism on this case. At its peak, Macro consisted of over a hundred members. They had 10 teams, and to avoid any information leaks, they had to implement very strict confidentiality protocols. So a lot of the details regarding the nature of like the deaths and the injuries of these women, they were suppressed. And one of the sketchier tactics that Macro used was they distributed questionnaires to 110 different persons of interest. And the questionnaires had questions like, are you the killer? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? The killer is just going to respond to that and be
0: like, check yes, if so. (laughs) Maybe if I check yes, they won't know it's me.
1: (laughs) Do you like me? Yes. No. Maybe. I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, But they're also using a lie detector, which, as we know, is kind of whack. And there was just lack of evidence. Time passing, the task force dwindled, and in September of 2005, the investigation moved to the Special Crime Squad. Again, I think it's just the word squad. I think so, too. (laughs) It sounds... Very Paw Patrol. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound very Paw Patrol. That is accurate. Someone's going to be so mad. They're going to be like... I know. I'm sorry, Australia, that your crimes units sound like Paw Patrol. I love um, it. Be- I think I love it because I love Australia so much. Like, I know. there. It's just so cute. Everything. It's adorable. I feel like Kim, Chris uh, Jenner. Uh, you're doing great, sweetie. You're <laughs> doing, doing great, that. sweetie. Um, speaking of Australia, shout out to Chloe, who told me, I can't even remember the word, but one man tents are described as something weird. Oh, it's a bush cocoon. A That's bush cocoon. Yeah. And so I kept reading about... Um, like this body being found in a bush cocoon. And I was like, what is a bush cocoon? So I, uh, and I kind of knew Chloe was going to, was going to hit us up in the discord. Cause I was like, I know there's at least one in there. And I asked and sure enough, she came through with picture and uh shout out to her. She's the best. Um, she is th- dope. Thank you for helping me <laughs> decipher Australian language. Uh, anyways. So special crime squad task force dwindled but what's crazy about this whole situation is that the man who was eventually held responsible lived in and interacted with the community the entire time so he lived in the area he was he was a pillar of the community as they say oh, i he was he wasn't a pillar of the community he was just in the community and to explain that to you we're going to rewind all the way back to valentine's day 1988 what i know we went forward we went backward we're going even further backward again okay so on valentine's day 1988 a man named bradley edwards snuck into an unlocked home and sexually assaulted an 18 year old girl who had been asleep in her bed the girl awoke she screamed for her father her dad came running And a panicked Edwards ran, but not before dropping a silky robe stained with his semen. Nice, nice. And I know, it's always nice. Uh, That robe would eventually be his undoing. But a few years later, a social worker named Wendy Davis was attacked by Edwards while she was at work. She was sitting at her desk writing a hospital report in 1990. Uh, a 21-year-old Edwards also worked at the hospital at the time. He grabbed Davis from behind and gagged her before attempting to drag her into the bathroom. But when Wendy fought back, he th- he let go of her. And I don't know whether that was due to him like releasing her or due to her kicking his ass. But she got out and she ran to a nurse's station. They called security and Edwards was detained by security guards. He was inevitably charged with a minor offense called common assault. Uh, And not only was he charged with a minor offense, he kept his job at the hospital because the attack was described as out of character and it had only happened because he was having troubles in his relationship at the time. Oh, nice, nice, nice. (laughs) Love that. Love that for him. Uh, He was given two years probation and had to attend a sex offenders program then in 1995 edwards abducted a 17 year old girl by forcing her into his vehicle before he drove to a cemetery in claremont where he proceeded to rape her that young woman also fought back and went to the hospital and had a rape kit performed but edwards was somehow he just was able to like slink back into the shadows and he was never arrested for that Then, as we know, in 1996 and 1997, Sarah, Kiara, and Jane all disappeared, which Sarah's body was never recovered, um, but Bradley Edwards wouldn't be linked to these murders for a solid 25 years. And during those 25 years, he remarried, he became a stepdad, he was a regular parent volunteer at the athletics club, he just went back to normal life until 2016 in 2016 the robe that had been dropped during the sexual assault was tested when they were doing a review of local cold cases the dna found in the semen that had been left on that garment came up with a match to the dna that had been removed from underneath kiera's fingernails during her murder investigation 20 years later so it took 20 years for them to get a break in this case, 1996 to 2016. Mm. It sucks, but they got one, which is good. So then they started looking more into the DNA match and they found that there was also a fingerprint had been left at the scene of the assault and that fingerprint was found to be a match with the prints that he had had taken after he attacked Wendy Davis. So not only does his DNA match it, the woman whose body was found the dna that was under her fingernails and matches the dna that was on the robe and then this other woman the fingerprints match so it's just all lining up so on december 22nd 2016 bradley robert edwards was arrested at his q home after being connected to the deaths of both jane and kiara the next day he was charged with both of their murders in addition to the murders. Edwards was also charged in relation to the two other attacks, breaking and entering an unlawful detention of an 18-year-old woman on Valentine's Day 1988 and the unlawful detention and two counts of aggravated sexual penetration without consent of the 17-year-old girl in the cemetery in 1995. It was also in February. It wouldn't be until two years later in February 2018 that Edward would also be charged with the murder of Sarah Spears. So in total, he was charged with eight offenses and in October of twenty nineteen he pled guilty to the five non murder charges, which always happens, right? Every time.
0: Yeah. The non murder.
1: They're like, Yeah, 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 I did all that other terrible shit. But the murder Yeah I draw the be. line there. What was that? He's like, I draw the line there. Now I draw the line at murder. Rape. Abduction, breaking and entering, that stuff was definitely me. But murder? Never could it be me. (laughs) Before the trial, the prosecution applied for Edwards to be tried by the judge alone with no jury. And that application was granted due to the publicity surrounding the case. And because the evidence was just incredibly graphic and they didn't feel like a jury should have to see it. The murder trial began on November 25th, 2019, before Supreme Court Justice Stephen Hall. And during that trial, the court was told that two of the victims had defensive wounds. I mentioned that Edward Sine was found under Kiara's fingernails and it matched the semen on the robe. But his defense tried to argue that that evidence had been contaminated in the lab. To to make a match? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was all contaminated. Edwards worked for Telstra, and one of the main pieces of evidence they found was the Telstra work vehicles. He was working as a technician at the time, and he used company vehicles after hours to execute his crimes. And this was corroborated by witnesses, a security guard who recalled seeing Edward's work van parked on multiple occasions at the cemetery that he raped that girl in, just for no reason. And then it was also there both after the 1995 attack and before Spears' 1996 disappearance. Jesus, what a dumbass. Yeah, we love a dumb but, criminal. I mean,
0: I'm, I'm so glad he finally got caught.
1: <laughs> According to the prosecutor, the state presented his the evidence as part of this case called the telestra or the telstra sorry i keep saying it wrong telstra living witness project um and between 1995 and 1997 they had many witnesses who remember a man in a telstra station wagon stopping to look at women and offering them rides during the trial a witness from i'm laughing again uh a witness from a group of men called the burger boys hell yeah so, I know I like, I was like, I gotta say it, it sounds awesome. I want to be in the Burger Boys. Um, they said that a Series 1 VS Commodore station wagon was cruising past them shortly after Kira Glennon had also walked past. And I believe them because who wouldn't believe the Burger Boys? Yeah, they the got ve- my vote. <laughs> they got my vote. The vehicle had distinctive teardrop hubcaps, which were present on some Series 1 VS Commodores between. April 1996 and December 1998, he drove a white BS Series 1 station wagon with Telstra Logos. Um, That vehicle, that specific vehicle, was tracked down and impounded on the same day as his arrest. And during an investigation of that vehicle, they found that the fibers on the carpet in that car that was specifically his matched the fibers found on the bodies of both Rimmer and Glennon. So the trial concluded on June 25th, 2020, after seven months of hearings and evidence from more than 200 witnesses. On the final day of custody, uh, the judge handed down a 619-page written verdict within which Edwards was found guilty of the murders of Rimmer and Glennon, but not of Spears, but it was more more likely that he was involved than he wasn't. And on the 23rd of December, 2020, he was sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of a parole after 40 years. But the judge was like, there's a high likelihood that he's going to die in prison. And we hope he does. I hope
0: so. He, I feel like he shouldn't even get parole. No, I I was actually surprised that he
1: got parole as well.
0: He had 20 years of just fucking off because he was evading police.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's, you're right. You know, I mean that his was standards. his parole like <laughs> your parole was the 25 years that you got to fucking chill while everyone was looking for you and honestly there is a likelihood that he is linked to other murders and that sarah wasn't oh, for his sure. first one for sure um there are a couple hold on i have a separate note about it that i'll pull up so seven month trial seven month trial when just a judge and then just a judge gives you a 619 page book about why you're guilty yeah
0: and then offers you parole I would not write 600 pages and then be like I'll give you you might be able to get parole someday yeah you're
1: not getting it um so they think that there's another missing woman her, she was 22 years old her name's Julie Cutler um and she thinks that their her father thinks that his daughter was a victim of the Claremont killer. Um, she was a student that vanished after leaving a staff function at the Hilton hotel in Perth, which isn't in the same area, but it's around the same time uh, that he started attacking people it was in 1988. Yeah. And then there's other cases. It's Lisa Brown. She was a sex worker who disappeared in 1998 and Sarah McMahon who disappeared on November 8th, 2000. Uh, I, there's a theory that he would attack people every time he would, like, fight with his wife or, like, get into it with his, whoever he was in a relationship with at the time. Ugh, gross. Yeah, so he's, like, getting mad and taking like it out a on. Like using them as surrogates. Yeah. Yes. That's such a good way to put it. Yes. Using them instead of, yes. But that is my, I feel like every, like, couple months I have to do an Australian case. Like, I just find a rabbit hole and it happens to be there. But when I started it, I didn't even know that some stuff happened around Valentine's Day. So I guess it's a good time for it to come out. I still so can't believe he's has the possibility of parole.
0: Mm-hmm. I never even want that to be an option.
1: I think if you're guilty of murdering people, it shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, especially more than one. And you have like a fucking laundry list
1: of other disgusting sex crimes you've committed. Yeah. <laughs> like We don't want this man back out on the street just because he volunteered at some Little League games.
0: Dude, I would deadass, like, just, like, be like, oh, yeah, for sure, man. And then the day of his, like, parole hearing, I'd be like, ha, you thought. Psych. Sayonara, no. sucker. Here's no another way. 600 pages of why you're never getting out of prison.
1: Right. I mean, he was 21 in 1990, right? So what's, or I have to do math to figure it out. 21 plus 34. So he's 55 when he got arrested. So if he lives another 40 years, he's so going to be like be 90. 95. Dude, yeah. if he's 95 and they grant his
0: ass parole, I'm flying to Australia. I'm going to trip him on him. the way out and yeah, he's going to break a hip his and ol- die of sepsis. Like, Yeah, I'm going to fight his old ass in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> I can't wait. You're going to get your, your switchblade and then just hop a train and come back to the U.S. Hop a train? to the u.s
0: from australia no i meant like i'll hop a train and then come back to the u.s
1: oh, and then come back like to leave town and then they're gonna pull up this episode and be like wait a second <laughs> wait a second and then you're gonna go to jail for murder which i knew that's how you're gonna go out anyways no i'm too lazy <laughs> i'm too lazy to kill people
0: yeah i'm about to turn 35 i can't do that
1: 35-year-olds can't murder. Actually, isn't that one of the most common ages? That not yeah, that yeah. when serial killers start is in their 30s? Yep. Maybe it just hasn't awoken within you yet. Uh, nah, I'm still too lazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, I get my groceries delivered. I'm not leaving the house to
1: <laughs> <and> murder anyone. <laughs> if you don't do your own grocery shopping, there's no way you're going to kill someone. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah,
0: not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, like, lie afterwards. And I'm not good at that either. You're not good at lying? I mean, we used to be, but like now I don't feel like I can be.
1: It's just like exhausting Exhausting. to have to remember stuff. No, thank you. We just talked about this. So
0: fun fact. And if you're listening to this, knowing Megan and I from high school, I apologize. But we used to lie all the time. Because we thought it was funny. It was funny. I still think it's funny.
1: It was a joke. They weren't lies. They were jokes they were jokes for us but we just, they were, we're our yeah. inside jokes <laughs> Good way. that
0: were lies they were inside jokes to us that were lies and we just would like sometimes take it far to see what people would believe
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it wasn't
0: very nice it wasn't very nice but we were just talking about how I always remember everything from like I have like a weird memory I remember everything and meg has like trauma blocked it and i was blocked every single bad thing that has ever happened to me out and she we were talking like maybe she just blocked it because the idea of her like someone coming up to her with a lie we told and her not remembering it
1: (laughs) Uh, which has probably happened to me before i'm not gonna lie to you like people have probably come up to me at some and been like remember this and i'm just like no yeah that never happened
0: do you remember you and Connie? I don't even, honestly, we lied so often. I don't, we joked with each other so often that I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like I have an skewed sense of reality
1: from that time period of my life. Well, you sent me all those pictures from when we were like 16 or 17. Oh, I love those. And you were those. like, who are those people? And I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't remember any of those people. I never saw that person a day in my life. Yeah, I recognized a few of them, but I was like, uh... Windows. I have a couple I found that from like a, a disposable camera and there's also pictures of people like at shows, like we're at local shows. Oh, yeah. And like, we're like arms around them, hanging out. And I'm like, I have no idea who that person is. Dude, we is. met
0: so many boys from MySpace back in the day, though. It really could have been anyone.
1: We, yeah, as, as we've said.
0: I used to have people in my phone, like such and such from MySpace.
1: You did? Did you um? Did you save their first and last name or did you just save their... Only nah, name. Nah, I'm a name. I'm a first and last name in the phone human. Like I cannot have just a single name in my phone. It stresses me out. Cause what if I text the wrong one? Oh yeah, that's true. You got to have both names. And I'll put Look, your job in there if I like. For sure. I guess that would be the equivalent of from MySpace. But
0: my favorite is when I meet people and like our common denominator at first is like our kids. And I'll put like such and such dash so and so's mom. Mm-hmm. or so-and-so's dad, and then we become friends, and we talk, like, on a regular basis. Like, I have my oldest, like, his best friend. I just added his mom's first and last name, and we actively hang out, but it was, like, Brandy slash
1: her kid's name's mom. When I uh, was in hygiene school, every everyone that I went to school with, they all have uh, their first and last name, but they also have a tooth to indicate what their career is. Oh, yeah. It's like your own little LinkedIn. It is. I'm just like, I can go through and find the emojis for the people I need to talk to. I support that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still have people in my
0: phone that I'm like, who are you? Do they text you?
1: No. Look, very few people text me. You text me. My boyfriend texts me. My mom texts me. Yeah, I'm
0: not, I'm not like loaded. I mean, I have a lot of spam texts that I don't respond to, but. Or like shopping. Yeah. Oh my God. And I know I can just click like stop. But instead of doing that, I just. But what if you miss a deal? I know. That's what I always think. They keep calling me uh, like in the wintertime when the kids are sick. I'm like, I'm going to block this
1: number, school.
0: I'm going to block
1: you. (laughs) Block the school's number.
0: (laughs) You better find out where I live and bring my kid home. Right. Dude, I had the moment where I realized I have consistently had a child at my house in some capacity during the day for 13 years now. And I mm, have been tiring. having I've been having a really emotional time lately because in the same week I have I turn 35. The next <laughs> week my oldest has freshman orientation, like freshman scheduling orientation where he pick his classes.
1: I uh, I looked at the date and I thought you turn 35 tomorrow, but you got a couple days.
0: Yeah, A couple days, and then I that the next night my daughter has kindergarten orientation. And my husband's like, bro, you good? I'm like, no. Cause after <laughs> I am not good. She starts all day kindergarten. I've had her, she's half day now and she has and then like she's a COVID, they're COVID kids. So they were home for a good chunk of COVID. Yeah. Because daycare closed. And I'm like, I am gonna have Monday through Friday no fucking kids in my house for the first time in 13 years. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'm off on Mondays. Man, this bitch is gonna start acting different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have so much time that's quiet. I think of how, think of how much less you're going to be overstimulated.
0: I know. I think it's going to really help. And I think that instead think of staying being away
1: from my children, it's going to really <laughs> help
0: my overall mental health. It's going to be yeah, great. Yeah, I think it's going to be great to have some me time. And I was thinking I stay up late to like watch my shows. And I was like, man, at least one Monday a month, I am potato and you can watch
1: all your shows. Mm-hmm.
0: Me and my dog just laid in bed surrounded by snacks I uh, can't wait Stark loves the real housewives of whatever you're watching at the time Vanderpump rules baby he's really into it I don't know what that is it's on Bravo you never got into like the scandal I never no. had watched Vanderpump rules ever I am like a a diet reality person like i like it in small doses but this Mm -hmm. tom sandoval scandal last year completely engulfed me and i was seeing it on all of social media so i was so invested and i'm like who are these people so i had to binge watch yeah i've
1: never watched one single second of that show it's weird to watch
0: because i i don't know how people who have watched it from the beginning because a lot of these people i mean they look great but they've had a lot of work done and but like a gradual time frame, seeing it from the beginning, you don't notice it. But since I watched it all in like two months, I was like, "Damn, I need your plastic surgeon's number because y'all look good." I guarantee you, you can't afford them. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Like, hey, I, I have this podcast I can promote. They're like, we I'll care. give you a,
1: You could do some, uh, some ad, adver- some light advertising. <laughs> I need huh? someone to give me Botox
0: in return for promotion
1: for valentine's day connie wants plastic surgery thank you that's all i ask that's all she needs it's not a lot man just uh good old days yeah that was those are not old days those are current days i know but like before (laughs) i needed plastic surgery you don't need plastic surgery you're beautiful oh thank you and also you're only 35 that's
0: still pretty young I know. I've just been thinking that, like, I watch all these TikToks where they're like, I'm 40 and I got, I got in shape. I did this. And I was like, oh, see, there's still time.
1: It's <laughs> 40. You read those articles. You're like, this person didn't do this until they were 39. I'm like, I got four years. What am I worried yeah. about? Let me just hit play next episode because I'm good <laughs> for a little
0: bit. <laughs> oh, shit. I think that's a good spot.
1: That's a great spot. We're going to call it Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Bye. I hope someone loves you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime.
0: We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the
1: Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com.
0: Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions. Or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in
1: next week. And don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors. And on Wednesdays, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs)